Well, wouldn't you know it? I'm back with another episode of Arrow, Chapter, and Verse. Uh, we're talking about Legends this time. Uh, it is Season 2, Episode 3, Shogun. Okay. I, uh, I did not like this episode for reasons we'll get into later. Um, part of it is um, sort of the... Um, the general nerd uh, fetishization of Japan, like you, if if you're gonna do something with Japan, you really have to steer clear of it, especially if you're doing it in like a you know superhero property. It's and it's 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 difficult to do, I think, and and I'm not sure they succeeded, which is one of the reasons I didn't particularly care for this episode. Uh, but let's hit the highlights. So uh, Nate Haywood. Uh, who you might remember was injected with a Nazi super soldier, soldier serum. Not only does he get better, but he develops powers, uh, pretty much paralleling what happens in the comic, comics, although he gets a little bit better deal than his comic book version. Uh, he is now a... Um, in Haywood in the comics basically is a being of living steel, except that he has no tactile ability, so he can't... Basically, he can't tell how much strength he's using, he can't feel things, etc., etc. Nate Haywood in Legends, uh, the steel skin appears right now randomly or in moments of stress, but it doesn't appear, it's not a permanent thing. Sometimes he's flesh and blood, so he still is, you know, he still has tactile sensation, at least when he's doing that. Uh, it certainly looked in this episode as though he didn't know his own strength, but that might be reasonable for someone who is just getting superpowers. Uh, he's all he's very excited about it because the character was a hemophiliac and now he's got superpowers now he can do stuff uh, but they were testing <laughs> they were testing this um, by uh, Ray Palmer shooting him with his uh, solid light beams or whatever to see how much damage um, uh, Nate Haywood could take and they were doing it in like a, a small cargo bay or something, but they were doing it in an area with a door while the ship was traveling through time, which just seems like a bad idea. Like if you're going to do that thing, maybe you want to find a room that's in the interior of the ship that doesn't have any um, bulkheads that are between you and the infinite void, as it were. Uh, I will say that apparently humans can survive uh, unaided in the time stream because, as you might expect, the door opens, uh, Nate falls out, uh, Ray goes to get him, and they end up in feudal Japan in the um, middle of the 17th century, 16-something uh, or other, I forget what it was. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that. Um, uh, one of the, uh, the inciting incidents of Nate getting his powers was that Vixen somehow snuck aboard the ship. Now, this is the first problem I have with this episode. Uh, at the end of the last episode... Um, our man was killed by Eobard Thawne. Vixen came in to save him, and the last words that he said were time traveler. Now, we don't know where the legends are at this point, but since the JSA is in their base alone, there, there's no legends there that we can see, uh, and Rex is putting away the amulet, it, it seems odd to me that the Wave Rider was still around for Vixen to sneak into it, it really seems like the legends would have been in the time stream at that point but apparently they weren't so vixen knocks them all out because of course she only knows a few time travelers and uh that must be what um 
uh, Rex meant when he was dying was that it was one of the legends. So um, they get that sorted pretty quickly, although again, uh, it's Sarah Lance comes in and talks to Vixen and is like, hey, uh, we've been tracking a time traveler who appears to be screwing up the timeline. That's probably him. And uh, Vixen's like, okay, probably, but I, I still think it's Mick Rory, blah, 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 because he's not good and all these things, and he's a criminal and a killer and a liar. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's true, uh, but, <laughs> you know, honestly, if it had been Mick, he would have burned Rex Tyler rather than, you know, stabbing a hand through his torso. By the way, um, wounds to the torso? Uh, in this show, and perhaps all CW shows, really a mixed bag. Like, I've seen people get stabbed in... Different people get stabbed in the same place, and sometimes it's fatal, and sometimes it's not. And there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason except for plot. Anyway, so, uh, Nate and Ray did not arrive in feudal Japan together. They're in the same area, but they're not, uh exactly in the same place, so they got separated a little bit. Nate gets picked up by um, a member of, uh, well, it has to be a member of a noble family for reasons I'll get into later. He gets picked up by, uh, <laughs> I don't know how, like, um, he's a, he's a, you know, he's not a small guy, and I guess this, uh, this lady wrestled him up onto her cart that she was pulling, um, and he gets, uh, he gets taken back, uh, to her house uh, to be cared for by her father. Now, Nate is a historian, so he, when he stands up, he sees where he is, and he knows about when he is, uh, and he's, when they start talking about the Shogun, he knows which Shogun it is. It's one of the uh, Tokugawas, which is not surprising because he's in the middle of the Tokugawa Shogunate, or the Edo, uh, the Edo period, which I don't think they were exactly the same thing, but they, they overlapped um, considerably. Uh, so, what bothers me is that the woman who picks him up is, of course, is going to be the reluctant bride of the Shogun, and as it turns out, the Shogun does a little bluebeard thing, so he likes to kill his wives, and, you know, in the matter of, somehow in the matter of eight hours, both Nate and this, uh, this woman have developed feelings for each other, and blah, 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 hand-wavy romance in the show. Um, so he decides that he is going to stick up for her by challenging the Shogun's men. Now, his, and, and, and of course, as you might expect, his superpowers don't work, uh, the way that he wants them to, and he gets stabbed in the torso, much in the same place that Rex got stabbed in the torso, but Nate doesn't die. Um, so his superpowers don't work on command. Uh, but the thing is, he... he has to know what he's doing, right? Like, he is not gonna be, uh, there forever, and the family is. So, standing up to the Shogun's men doesn't really do anything unless you're prepared to kill them and then kill the shogun because that dude's just going to keep sending uh, that dude's just going to keep sending samurai out to this house and ordering them to kill people or ordering them to kill peasants as in fact uh he does uh, the shogun does later on in the episode uh so you know if you're a historian and you recognize what's going on and you recognize the attitude of the people in power 
yes, you can stand up um, all you want to their goons, but you have to know that's not the end of it. And I, I don't think Nate had a plan at that point. It just, I realized that he just got his superpowers and he's feeling pretty cocky, but it's still like, you're a historian, dude. You, you should know what's going to happen. You also know that you're a gaijin and you're only allowed, I think at that point, the best of my memory, you're only allowed in certain areas of Japan if that. Uh, and I think if you're anywhere else, it's, it really is a, it's a kill-on-site thing. Um, it's also dumb for me because when, you know, she asks, the woman asks Nate where he's from, he says the States. And it's like, dude, you have to know about Samurai William. You could have said England, you know, and she would have believed you. Who knows? But why... It, it, there were just dumb little things like that. Like, if you're going to have him be a historian, then have a, have him be a historian all the time, not just when it might be funny for him to stand up, recognize where he is, and then promptly fade because he got, you know, bounced out of the time stream or what have you. Um, Ray is in worse shape because they have captured Ray, they have stripped him of his armor, and the Shogun is now going to use his armor. So here's the thing I don't understand. Shogun and Rei are not the same size at all. Rei has stated several times that he made the armor, and in fact in this episode, that he made the armor for himself uh, to his measurements, which means that if the Shogun did put it on, it shouldn't have fit him correctly, and yet, of course, it does. Uh, Rei's also getting tortured. Um, it, you know, White Canary and Vixen and Mick uh, are the away team. Firestorm, both parts of Firestorm, um, Jax and uh, Professor Stein are still on the ship. Uh, they are charged with fixing the ship because somehow when the cargo bay got blown open, a bunch of other stuff happened. And it's, The Wave Rider is extremely fragile. Like, if you sneeze wrong, then the time drive goes out and a bunch of other secondary systems have to be fixed. Uh, as I've said before, uh, Jefferson Jackson is, uh, like, honestly... Mechanic, his level of mechanics should be considered a superpower at this point. I honestly believe that if you gave him materials, he could, if he wanted to, build a super suit for himself. I don't know what the suit would do, but and I don't know why he'd build it, because he's Firestorm. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure he could, um, because they, like, completely fixed the ship. Uh, one of the things, they also find that there's a secret compartment, and I'll just run through that really quickly. They go to the secret compartment. There's a message from the Flash from 2056 where he's talking directly to Rip Hunter, and he's like, Rip, you need to know this, but don't tell your crew, and we don't find out what the message is, and there is some talk later between them about, uh, should we tell everybody, and Martin Stein's like, no. Flash said to not tell any of the crew, and Jax is like, well, we know. Um, so that's something that's, I'm sure, going to be resolved later uh, when it is uh, dramatically appropriate. I I don't know. This is probably this um, this season's end of the world scenario, I would imagine. Anyway, back to everybody uh, in Japan, because everybody's in Japan. Um, so, White Canary, Vixen, and uh, Heatwave go to the Shogun's palace to rescue uh, Rei and get his suit back. Turns out, of course, that Shogun's wearing a suit. Uh, there's a fight between uh, White Canary and um, the the dude, like the Shogun's main bodyguard. Um, I, I think that the Shogun's, the fight was a little bit disappointing because I honestly think that White Canary should have kicked his ass and she didn't. Here's why. 
I understand that he's been training his whole life, pretty much, how to be a warrior and how to use his sword and how to be a samurai. And he's, like, been imbibing Bushido uh, and also various fighting styles for his, his whole life, like I said. However, White Canary, trained by the League of Assassins, should be pretty good at her job. And the other thing is that the League of Assassins had 400 years of fighting... Uh, fighting ability and fighting knowledge that this dude didn't. So I feel that she should have had a few more tricks up her sleeve and been able to beat him pretty handily. But, you know, she wasn't. So they all retreat. Uh, they find Nate. Nate tells him what's going on and why he can't leave and why he's got to protect the woman and all this stuff. And they're like, okay, fine. This is what we'll do. We'll get the peasants. We'll put them in one place so they're, you know, they're relatively safe. And the samurai can't go rampaging through the village and killing them. And we'll figure out how to fight this guy. And Ray is like, okay, here's the deal, Nate. You've, the, the suit is vulnerable at this point. And if you hit this cooling thing, chances are the whole suit is going to explode. And then Ray reveals that uh, that's, you know, it's like he spent billions of dollars and several years building the suit. And the suit is what makes him a superhero. And he's really unhappy to lose it and all this good stuff. Um, now I want to point out that the reason, one of the reasons that he said that is because Vixen came up to him and said, you're not a superhero, you're just a guy in a suit. The suit was, is what makes you a superhero. Now, let's talk about this. Vixen has a totem that she uses for her powers. Without her totem, she has no powers. Now she's a fifth, uh, fifth degree black belt or something like that, which is fine, but by her logic, like, she is the last person who should be coming up to someone and saying, hey, this item makes you a superhero, and without it, you're not. It's like, that, well, same for you. Like, otherwise, you're a really cool fighter, but you're then a vigilante. You're in the same way that, like, you could say that White Canary is not a superhero because she doesn't have any superpowers. Uh, yet, I, I remember wicking something that says that in uh, Season 5, which is, I think, the current season of um, Legends, she's supposed to pick up a superpower. Fine. It's just, it's just weird logic. It's, you know, by that logic, well, Tony Stark isn't a superhero, and uh, comic book Thor wouldn't have been a superhero because he had to have his hammer. You know, it's, it's, it's just dumb. Like, it is, you are a particular type of superhero. You are a superhero who has no intrinsic powers. You have an item that gives you power. That's, that's it. Um, so anyway, Ray's pretty upset by this. Uh, and, I mean there's a you know there's a conversation between ray and uh the the woman um the woman's father i'm sorry i did not pick up names at all on this so uh, the woman's father where it's like hey what's more important the armor or the person and ray's like the person so he sort of reconciles himself to losing the armor and then of course there's a there's a big fight and uh you know, we get some cool posing. Uh, we get um, Sarah doing uh, two-sword fighting. I forget what the actual name of that is. And it was interesting because I was like, huh, I don't know that Musashi was alive yet. So she might be doing two-weapon fighting uh, before Musashi showed up and uh, told people that that was the way to do it. So that was that was a little fun. And then she gave a sword to Vixen, and she and Vixen took on a bunch of samurai, including the um, the dude, uh, the the main bodyguard, and they're fighting. And it looks like they 
they might lose. I gotta cut back for a second. Uh, Mick is on his own. He's like holding off a bunch of people with his flame gun. And this whole thing, he's been obsessed with uh, ninjas since they got to Japan. He's, and, uh, you know, Vixen's like, ninjas don't exist. And Sarah's like, well, you know, technically I'm kind of a ninja. So, you know, and he's just like, ninja this, ninja that. Uh, and he's finally, he's walking by himself. And then three ninjas show up out of nowhere. And this is, this is again, it's like, so Tokugawa, whomever, hired a bunch of ninjas for this fight randomly or... The ninjas were just randomly there and decided to take him on. It was a little bit like it. It it really didn't make a whole lot of sense um, in regard to the episode, and it was just a little bit of fan service. And it was like weird because it was fan service for you know everybody who likes ninjas outside the show, and for Mick Rory who's got who's obsessed with ninjas. Uh, so he shows up in a ninja costume at pretty much the last minute to help uh, White Canary and. Uh, Vixen uh, fight off the rest of these samurai. Meanwhile, uh, Ray uh, is dressed in some samurai armor, and he's got a sword, and uh, Nate, or as he now be, prefers to be known, Steel, or at least his hero name is Steel, are fighting uh, the Shogun in Ray's Adam suit. And as you might expect, like, they go back and forth a few times, and then Steel stabs the cooling unit, and the you know, suit explodes, killing Tokugawa, whomever it is. So, you know, it's interesting, like, these people, like, we're trying not to change history, and yet, and yet, they just killed the Shogun, who's kind of important, and a bunch of his other dudes who were probably supposed to live longer than that. So I'm not sure exactly how they changed feudal Japan, but they sure did change feudal Japan, um, and I don't know that we're ever going to see any... Uh, any repercussions of that down the road. And, and again, I, I didn't like this episode for the reasons that I've already discussed and because it basically felt like, hey, nerds like samurai, let's go ahead and put uh, put these guys in feudal Japan. Um, it, it, it actually made more sense in Heroes when they went to feudal Japan because, you know, the guy who could travel through time and space was, in fact, Japanese. Um, so... Anyway, uh, so the end of the episode, um, Mick is upset because now he doesn't have any proof that ninjas exist. Vixen somehow copped a, 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 shuriken, a shuriken off one of them and tosses it into Mick's sandwich, so now he has a, a, a throwing star, uh, which is proof that ninjas exist somehow, and um, then they all or trying to figure out where to go, uh, and they have no idea, so they're just like, well, let's see where the time stream takes us. Um, and I guess they're gonna, I, I don't know, they'll probably end up fighting Thawne at some point, but now's not the time. And I guess Vixen's gonna stay with them until they're done, and then she goes back to the appropriate time in 1942? I, I don't know. That, that seems to be what's happening. Um, yeah. So that is uh, the end of another episode of Arrow Chapter and Verse, and of course you can expect more of these as I watch more of my stories. Hope you're having a good day. Bye.